Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Welcome to Feralia, a world of untold tales until today. Let me tell you a story of an empire fallen and heroes whose glory guides a new tale, one that begins today. Over many hundred years, the half-elven emperor Zevian ruled over a whole world of magic, a continent, one he saw fit to rename. He called it Zevia. Across the vast magical land were six great cities, each of culture, magic, and resource, and each conquered by Zevian and his half-elven mages and sorcerers. Of them, his most trusted he placed in charge of all six cities. He called them magistrates, and most were wizards of great magical power. While he sat at the center of his empire, within his tower in the city of Zevia's crest, the rest of that city and each of the five others were ruled by Zevian's most trusted six. Within the heart of Zevia's crest, a small but towering city of spires and towers sat Kalamut, the seat at which Zevian watched his cities, but also from where he watched all others. Resonating from this place is a magic that stopped the reach of all the divine gods, the pantheon that may have spread their rule across the land some hundred years prior. They were Urugalan of Death, Sarath of Knowledge, Bahamut of Life, Araleth of Light, Talos of Tempest, and Hela Brightaxe of War. With the Pantheon banished, their magic only touched the outermost cities of the world, and by even greater torture there were no ports, no escape, and no coming to Zevia. Cut off from the world beyond, this world he ruled for centuries, until, as there is always an until in stories like these, there was hope again. Through this world, even beyond the scope of our story, there is, has been, and will be again, great evil, and with it, powers that give and take to said evil. But those same powers can shift the balance, for there is still great good out there as well. The two are never far from one another. There they were, wayward and separate once, but under great circumstance, came together, the Twelve, the heroes that would save this land now called Zevia. And so began this faithful group, started by two very different and very naive outsiders in their own rights. They came together to plot against Zevian. From the burgeoning city of All Summer, two heroes became five, and then became ten, and then became twelve. In three months and twelve days, the ones known as the Heart of the Resistance, our twelve, moved swiftly, and the magistrates of each city of each piece of Zevian's grass were forced to flee or fell to liberation, one by one to these twelve. In just twelve days, our twelve took back all summer, the blooming city in Kaldoris, the great walled city of the east. With this act of resistance and swiftness, a story of coincidence became one of legend. In just three more months, all five cities outside his reach turned against Zevian. 
A single day, they say, is all it took. But the only ones who truly remember the day Zevia's crest fell were the ones there on that day themselves. There was light. There were twelve heroes. There was one remaining magistrate and the emperor himself. And of course, there was the tower at the heart of it all. The heart of his power, Kalamut. Much is lost, as stories always are in great conflict. But I can say this. The tower fell, and so did the city. Class is in session, and today we are venturing to the continent of Zevia. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the university my assistant and dungeon master of IP D&D, Alex O'Neill. How's it going, Alex? Welcome back. Thank you. I This is me. I get to be all self-indulgent this time, so it's going pretty yeah. well. It's true. Uh, we're going to be talking about your baby, mm-hmm. your, your uh, campaign that you are currently hosting for the lovely people that I partake in as Kane Glimstride, uh, but Irrational Passions, Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, kind of first, before we get into the game proper, uh, we haven't done the syllabus episodes in a number of months. So uh, what have you been playing? Um, okay. Destiny. Let me tell you. Have you heard of it? Are you familiar? With- I do. I recently found my collector's edition for Destiny One in a in a box. Nice. That I, uh, unpacked. Uh, yeah, the new season starts in two days from when we're recording this, and you know it's funny because Destiny new seasons are like every three months regularly, and Final Fantasy fourteen patches are every four months, uh, and somehow they both happen on the same day this time, and it yeah. was. Right when I was like, I can't wait to get back into 14. It's like, all right, well, I'm not doing that until after PAX, I guess, Um, which is fine. It'll be there when I'm when I'm done. Uh, But yeah, it's it's we're in new season prep. Um, I I did all the uh, like the end game uh, grandmasters, uh, which are like the kind of hardest PVE activities Mm -hmm. that you can do in the game. I had done them before once, but like you can kind of redo them each season and like gild the title that you get for it. So it like just shows that you did it that season. And like, you can keep that for every season going forward. Uh, but there was always like one really hard GM in like the last two seasons that I could not beat. Um, so this time we got through it, uh, got through one of the ones that I couldn't beat before, which was mm-hmm. very, very satisfying. I felt the stress leave my shoulders uh, cause they're, they're brutal activities. Um, and, uh, yeah, just getting prepped for the new season. I have like seven unopened exotic engrams in my, uh, oh, in my postmaster. I have all maxed out crafting materials and stuff for, for just ready to go, uh, when new exotics drop and, and hopefully be able to unlock them all right away and stuff. So yeah, I'm That's just cool. yeah, I'm stoked. I'm like you know, it's nice. I have a nice like little group. Mike uh, Burgess also in that group, and then a bunch of other folks. We all play together. We raid together, and yeah, it's a great time. I I the prep is like one of my favorite things, honestly, because it it's just like menial stuff. I can catch up on podcasts. I don't have to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like as soon as the next season starts, um, we can kind of hit the ground running. And there's gonna be a new raid. Uh, which is really exciting. Not a new raid, but a returning raid from Destiny 1. Um, 
And yeah, I'm very excited to go back to whatever raid it is going to be. Dang, that's cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's nutty season. that it's the same day as a uh, 6.2 for 14. That's what I'm stoked for. Yeah, I can't believe they lined up. I'm stoked for it, too, especially like this seems like a pretty wild update for uh, for 14. You get your own like little island sanctuary. Yeah, you can have your minions just kind of hang out and chill on the island. That's yeah. going to be so much fun. This is very fun. I can't wait to have my, my little Alexander running around. Uh, mm-hmm. Very fun. I'm stoked for that. And I like. I'm excited to go back because in these recent 14 updates, they've been like uh, touching up a realm reborn and then they're going to be touching mm-hmm. up heaven's word with this one. So I'm kind of excited to go back and, and play some of those old. Uh, I forget even when dungeons and stuff. Yeah. Um, the one that lets you play just with computer instead of uh, mm-hmm. requiring folks. That'll be that'll be cool. Yeah. And also very sad for certain heavens dungeons. Um, And yeah, I like I haven't done any of the Endwalker raids yet, so I'm I'm excited Mm -hmm. to to try out the ones that are out there. Um, Yeah, I'm it's it's a good time for both of the MMO style games that I really like. Oh, yeah. Uh, But other than that, I uh, I've been replaying Kingdom Hearts. uh, Unsurprisingly, you playing that. Which one were you playing or which one are you currently working through? I just finished two. Uh, so I played one and then I just watched the movie version of Chain of Memories. And I, I actually watched 358 this time because I hadn't I hadn't actually watched that since uh, it had come out originally. Just because it's like yeah. I, I'm ex- I'm so, always so excited to get to two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, just finished two. I got through it like through all the the challenge bosses much faster this time uh than yeah. i have before but it felt good uh that game is very fun people don't oh, yeah. if you're if you've never played game march 2 don't sleep on reflect all right that's all i'm going to say it will absolutely it's, it's super broken <laughs> it is super broken <laughs> it will change your perspective on challenge in that game period uh but uh, and it was cool to like I tried some different things when I was fighting the like lingering will fight uh, that ended up working out very well in my favor. Yeah. What did you try? Just like uh, he has like that attack that like seals either your magic or your attack. Mm-hmm. And normally like you have like a very short window to dodge roll out of it or like quick dodge out of it. Um, and I was like, what if I just spam reflect? <laughs> it turns out that that works, too. Um, and, you know, he does his like little bow that like freezes mm-hmm. you and takes your commands away. I also just spammed reflect through some of those. And like, if you can't like get to a good spot to dodge those, it, it can mm-hmm. be a good backup plan. Yeah. When in doubt, just reflect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, half of those data battles, you can just spam reflect through and just absolutely decimate them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when are you going to like learn the speed run and just like start competing playing Kingdom Hearts games professionally? I feel like you replay them so much that in Persona 5 that you should just like look into speed runs at this point. I, I will say I am very interested in a Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizer, especially after we talked about it. It's so fun, dude. It seems really cool. And and like when I was playing through it again, I'm like, man, this is like one of those few games that I could probably do a randomizer for and feel pretty confident in. Um, so, yeah, I, I might look into that 
speed Have running. Have you watched any of the uh, competitive, like the competitive uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizer tournaments? I have. There's like cash pool tournaments for the Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizer. I'm I like the thing is I who have watched so many like Kingdom Hearts 2 videos to get better at it, like know what the top end of talent with that game looks like. So I know I am not like I probably won't ever be like a competitive level with it, but I would definitely love to like dabble with stuff. Um, I just like. I'm I'm debating also if I played again, should I just play it on critical mode? But I, I tend to like not love critical mode just because the whole half HP stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I certainly wouldn't want to do like a, a no level run because the I honestly the thing, the very specific thing I think of is in the Marluxia data battle, uh, the number of hits you can take is based on your level. And if you do a level one run, you can only get hit once and it's over. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I'll just never do that. How about I just <laughs> never engage with that? <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, maybe critical mode playing through more. And because I've, I've done it like the one time that you have to do. Yeah. And it's fine, but it's just like it feels a little gimmicky to me. And I don't mm-hmm. love gimmick uh, playthroughs. But I, I finished Kingdom Hearts 2 and I was like, all right, I need to play some shorter games <laughs> because before yeah. before that I had, I replayed Tales of Vesperia um, solo without me even though we have our co-op game yeah well you don't we want to play touched. at 3 o'clock in the morning like I do well you've never texted me at 3 you never know that's true I you know down. I will you've never tried I will try next time I will be like alright it's, it's 2am I can't sleep let's get into some Vesperia First case I won't answer best case be like fuck yeah let's do this <laughs> Forgive me if I mess up. I am waking up. I, I don't. The latency is killing me. Um, I will say a thing that I realized, and if if we do go back to it, it's something that we can like, because I I it's not a thing that is ever like brought up, but mm-hmm. there is no religion in that game, um, and it is just one of those things that it was probably pretty intentional. Uh, like they live in like a post religion society, basically, mm-hmm. right? Because they, they just depend on technology and they don't believe in like there's no God, <laughs> which is wild for JRPG. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that's like never brought up. So it, it, it there's never like a realization point of like, oh, yeah, like n- there's no like people believing in something or or fanaticism or you know like it's all these just kind of people doing their best to survive and that just like it furthered my love for that game of like what an interesting especially when you look at like every other Tales game like Mm -hmm. boy howdy like Tales of Berseria is a hard religious game you know Um, oh yeah very strong religious allegories Uh, even like Tales of Symphonia like the Pope is one of the villains in that game or whatever Uh, it's just wild to think like it never even comes up in that game like at one point you're in a temple and they talk about like how the man the people here used to must have mm-hmm. worships in Entelikea, uh these like creatures there at some point, but like they kind of talk about it in this weird like, man, I wish they had known better type of way. It's yeah. like, wow, that's so that's so interesting. What an interesting idea for a world. I love it. That is cool. 
But yeah, that's really it. That's all I got. What about you, man? Um, real quick, just because we were talking a bit about the Kingdom Hearts 2 randomizer, just mm-hmm. so you know, there's now a Kingdom Hearts 1, 3, and Birth by Sleep randomizer as well. Mm, I'd be curious what the one is like. Yeah. That could be fun. But yeah, like if you get into it, let me know and then we can like race <laughs> each other. Like I haven't played it through in like months anyway, but it could be like a fun, just like rivalry kind of thing we could get going. All right. Be fun. That can be fun. Or just stream alongside. It'd be good. Good yeah. times. I, yeah, that's like I said, it's like the only game, Game Rush 2 specifically is one of the only games I'd feel confident enough to be like, and uh-huh. I, I know what I need to do at any given point. And if you throw me into something like late game early on, I could probably f- reflect my way out of it. <laughs> well, the randomizer, it's like a scavenger hunt. So you have yeah. access to all the worlds at once. Okay. And your only mission is to find the three proofs to unlock the final world. Oh. So really, it's chest checks and taking out bosses and getting abilities and whatnot. And then eventually just taking over, uh, getting finding those proofs and then taking on the, the final world. So Interesting. Yeah. I are the proofs just like hidden, like in like yeah. a random chest or whatever. Uh, they can be locked behind. They can be found in chests, boss checks, level up checks, form level up checks. I believe. Ooh. Um, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it can be wild, and it also depends on the setting. Got to load use. up Donald and Goofy sure. with some lucky rings. Mad. Goofy got that bling on, mm-hmm. but it's giving me the drops. I don't think. No, I don't think they're locked behind synthesis. No, nope. It's all. Yeah, that's right. Treasure chest, boss chest. How far are you into stuff it? Stuff like that. Nice. So like 130 hours in, probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah buddy yeah buddy um for me i've been playing a crap ton of xenoblade chronicles 3 i absolutely love that game i love that game. nice um i'm on the final chapter i'm on the final chapter where would you uh compare it I think, to yeah, xenoblade I'm 2 and 1 or 90 hours right now um but i have okay. a lot of like side quests and stuff to do i haven't unlocked all the kind of the um, the other classes and I haven't upgraded the classes so I can max level them at all yet. So there's still tons of side stuff I can do. Plus, once I beat the game, I guess there's a bunch of post game content, too. So it's uh, there's still a lot of game left, but I'm very, very excited to see where it's gone. It's definitely been some some emotional roller coaster ride uh, moments. Uh, but no, it's absolutely fantastic. Loving, loving, loving it. Um, Good. I'll let you know when it finishes. They like give you all the characters pretty early Comment on, wise, right? I think it is the most approachable. That's. I feel like that's um, tough. That's especially tough the to more. That, uh, and, I don't want to say convoluted. All the more complex systems. Pretty, it's nowhere like near as complex. Time, I think to pull like off the big job. damaging attacks as it was in. 
Xenoblade 2, like where you have to crack, crack and break the elemental orbs, do the other explosion things. I like that you can swap who you're controlling, like even mid combat. Um, so that's really nice. Um, yeah, good cast. I'm really, really liking it. Even the supporting cast is really strong. Good. I, I have fallen in love with it. Um, they like give you all the characters pretty early on, right? Yeah. That's, yep. I feel like that's tough. That's tough to balance that uh, and, and have endear all the people to you pretty mm-hmm. like at the same time. But it sounds like they did a good job. Um, they they introduce and give you control of like the main playable cast fairly early on. But then you get introduced and kind of can recruit um, other NPCs that will also unlock classes that you can kind of learn and equip to your main party members. So those get spread out. Um, and are locked behind special things called hero quests. Cool. So, but no, that's been a lot of fun. Um, been doing the occasional dailies and stuff for Final Fantasy 14, making sure I can kind of get at least closer to the item level I need for the, the new stuff coming out this week. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, just slowly kind of working my way through the computer AI controlled only playthrough of Tales of Symphonia. Yes, that's been interesting. Have have um, there been any particularly difficult parts for your little AI party? Um, there have been a couple bosses, especially the ones where um the pre Undine one, where mm. basically any situation where there's you're either outnumbered by like boss enemies or there's multiple boss enemies, yeah. like the main boss and then the smaller ones. Those usually give the AI um, a headache uh, because I had forgotten this, but in Tales of Symphonia, they the AI companions don't use items on their own. Yep. So like I can't even use items. The only item I'm letting myself use is um, mag or er, the, the lenses. So I can see just like uh, health left, but outside of that, I can adjust kind of the tactics mid combat and turn on and off arts. But outside of that, yeah, it's, it's the AI going at it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been interesting. It's, it hasn't been too bad. There's definitely been some fights where I had to level up a bit, but slowly, slowly trekking on. And it's, um, it's interesting. Nice. It's I interesting. believe in your little, your little party yeah. of AI people. Yeah. We'll, we will see how, if they can, make it through the whole thing but but let's get back now that we've refreshed and talked and chit-chatted about what we've been playing i want to hear more about this world you've created that um and just kind of your background with tabletop alex so like when did you kind of get into or was intrigued by tabletop rpgs take me down that path oh okay uh definitely it's definitely roundabout right because i I think like my big entry point was I'm a, a, a huge fan of my brother, my brother and me. And I feel like this is a lot of people nowadays, like it's either like critical role got me in or like uh, their show the adventure zone got me in. Like uh, they, they did when Justin McRoy had his first daughter um, <laughs> and was on paternity leave. They did like a one-off episode of my brother, my brother and me with the three brothers. So and what's my brother, my brother and me. Cause I'm not familiar with that. Oh, it's a podcast. Uh, it's in a, like an advice podcast where they give bad advice. 
That's like the the joke. It's just oh, okay. it's like a comedy podcast hosted by the three McRoy brothers: Griffin McRoy, Justin McRoy, and Travis McRoy. Um, and Griffin and Justin used to work for Joystick, and then they helped co-found Polygon. Um, and then they eventually left video games to to just do their podcasts. Um, and so they they started doing that in like 2010, same time mm-hmm. IPP started. So. I'd kind of been listening to them the whole time through in like 2013. That's when Justin had his kid and they did like this one-off episode of my brother, my brother and me with their dad, uh, Clint McRoy, where they all played D and D and, and Griffin DM'd. Uh, and then that eventually spun off into the adventure zone, uh, which is their dungeons and dragons podcast that is, you know, still going to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And that first campaign of the Adventure Zone is like a really big touchstone for me. Um, but even before what year th- are we looking at, like when <sighs> time frame, when was this? I think that's 2013. Okay. Um, it started in 2013. I'm pretty sure it ended in 2015. Um, so, yeah, because they, they did like biweekly every other week episodes. Um. But even before that, like a couple of my friends, my friend Chris in particular, um, just from high school, uh, who's still a good friend of mine, like uh, him and his brothers were like absolutely into the nerdiest shit. And I loved it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was like they played Warhammer 40K, um, like full on painted troops on a massive table and I would just like hang out and watch them play. <laughs> um, and I think like that hardcore level tabletop uh, like was a good introduction point for me. And then him and his brother and his friends started doing um, like the 40 K universe equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons. And okay. he, he would just tell me stories like from his sessions and I just loved them. I just thought it was so cool. And his brother who GM'd for them is like an incredible writer. Uh still is to this day. Um and so like he'd introduce it to me a lot. And then at some point there were enough of us and we were thinking about it. I was like, all right, let's try playing Dungeons and Dragons and I'll DM. And I had a group. This must have been 2013 as well. Um, and we would actually like get together in person and play. Um, and that was like a, a very different DMing experience <laughs> for me, I'll say. And we were playing uh-huh. four, fourth edition at that point because fifth edition uh-huh. had not come out yet. Um, and that was like, you know, uh, the general setup for like what we were playing at least. And we only got like four or five sessions in. Uh, was like they were on a peninsula and they were like a group of heroes hired by kind of a a very rich mogul type guy um, that they were like going into like to the toward the point of the peninsula as people were evacuating it because of some plague uh, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, But that's as far as we got really didn't didn't wasn't able to like really figure out what I wanted to do and I was like a lot younger I was cer- certainly a worse writer then um, mm-hmm. not saying that I'm a great writer now but I feel a lot more confident in my and like the things I've learned about world building mm-hmm. um, and then yeah just a nice long break <laughs> from that like we, <laughs> the last session we probably had was in 2014 we did another game where I was a player and my friend Josh was DMing 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that again only had a few sessions, probably. Um, but that was also pretty interesting. He had I don't remember as well, uh, like the story of that one because I was like so focused on my player story. Yeah. Um, but I was playing like twin Dragonborn brothers with uh, my friend Chris, so it was very fun. My name was Jiraiya. Also, shout out to the to-, to the Toad Sage. Because uh, he was Jormund, I was Jiraiya. Um, and it was fun playing like a character that had like a intertwined story with another character. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then nice long break. I got way more into D&D, like consuming it since then. Like watched obviously all of Critical Role campaign one and two. Watched many, most of the, the D20 or Dimension 20 uh, mm-hmm. shows. Um, listen to more Adventure Zone. Uh, even dabbled in a little bit of like NADPOD, not another D&D podcast. Um, but so I, I, I had it in me. Uh, and then honestly, you joined IP. And ever since you joined in 2017, we had been talking about doing a and d show. So this yeah. has, has been in the works for a long time. The original idea I had when I was working on it back then was a was pretty different than what ultimately came out but some of the elements oh do share um because i think tell I tell me what could have been i think i had mentioned it um in one of our like pre sessions when we were all doing like character stuff and, and talking about stuff um but my original idea was like my hero academia uh campaign where you were all like students at a hero school in a Dungeons and Dragons world. And it was going to be more focused on being at the Academy and like going off on missions with like different of the leader heroes. Uh, and then it was a big focus of that was going to be like a rival class. Yeah. And I was going to build kind of like counter characters um, to all of you. But I will say a lot of these elements did move into um IPD&D and a big part of that was like I was going to sit with each of you and like have you develop a quirk for each character for each of your characters um, that would have pros and cons and that you know spoilers that mm-hmm. is something that will probably still happen at some point uh, through another mechanic that I've thought of since then so um, that you know you can probably put you as a player can probably put two and two together in that regard <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so that was like the original idea. Um, but then I like I retooled it because I wanted to do something a little bit more like fantasy. And I mm-hmm. didn't I didn't want to do the thing where it's like, OK, you can make whatever character you want, but they have to be young. They have to be they have to hit these requirements. So I was like, I think it'd be more interesting if you all made the characters and then I built the world around them. And that's what I ultimately mm-hmm. did, because I wanted like. After listening to more D and D stuff, I wanted that collaboration aspect of it. I, I think it's at its best when the players are creating parts of the world. Um, oh, for sure. As well as opposed to me just making every little detail and then dropping you in it and telling you how you're supposed to be. Um, which you know, I, I might have some aspects of it like that now, but I mm-hmm. I like where we ended up. Like all of like jazz her character Cortisi, like the whole her whole lizard boy uh lizard folk story like really inspired me for 
what we did for like her hometown and stuff. Um, and then we could go back and forth about it and whatnot. Oh, yeah. That's that's very cool. So with Zevia and IP D&D, where did you kind of get the thought for um, like the 12 heroes uh, and kind of the crooked, evil emperor that was overthrown prior to the campaign itself? Like where did a lot of the inspiration kind of come from for the world that we're currently playing in? Um, A few different places like. The 12 heroes, I, I like that was like the the kind of evolution of that idea from the My Hero Academia yeah. campaign of like the, the teachers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of like mentor figures um, and, you know, obviously that people who listen to the show, those first you know few episodes with Soth there and, and everything like she kind of tries to play a little bit of that. Um, I, I really liked that. I liked the idea also that as I was going through it, like there was a war. These people have suffered um, that there were heroes like that. There was a previous generation and there needs to be like I, mm-hmm. I want an urgency for like people to feel like they need to step up and be the new generation of heroes. Mm-hmm. And And I wanted to like make the previous heroes like veterans you know like a lot you haven't met all of them yet but a lot of them have like missing limbs or fingers or injuries like permanent injuries um that have stuck with them and and that is like the cost of fighting like fighting for freedom and and fighting for for liberation the big thing with like the honestly the the emperor and all that stuff came after what I wanted was like, I wanted a world that was cut off from the rest of the world. Like that was mm-hmm. my, my number one thing. Um, because I wanted it to feel like as you guys were kind of coming out into your own adventure, that you were like, the world was opening to you for the first time as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it felt more organic for like me to introduce aspects of lore of the rest of the world but mm-hmm. also like where Zevia fit into the context of everything else like all these other continents that exist out there um so that was a big idea so then from that mm-hmm. i was like okay well how did this world get cut off what are like the powers that be um and and what is going to be kind of like the threads that start tying these things together so then i had Zevia, and it's like all right uh what like what's his whole deal which you know spoilers so folks folks don't know that yet uh someday you might learn (laughs) um but what was his whole deal who did he trust and then i built like the six great cities because i wanted to have like these different biomes in the Mm -hmm. the continent so there's like the desert city there's a city that's always raining there's like the summery city there's the wintry city there's the port city and then there's the the city that was destroyed and is rebuilding. Um, so like those were kind of like my general ideas um, of what I would need. Uh, and, and everything kind of fell into place from there. Like having the heroes all come together, having a B12 was just like me kind of slowly adding to that number until I f- it felt like right. Um, mm-hmm. And that way I could create like that nice little story that folks heard at the beginning of like, it's always nice when there's like, 
repeating numbers in a story. It helps things feel more magical and feel more like fate. Um, And fate's like obviously a big Mm -hmm. concept in the in the campaign. And it's it's like my number one theme that I want to be kind of throughout the whole story. Interesting. So, like, that's one question that I've kind of been curious about. I was like, with Zevia being kind of ostracized and kind of barricaded in for hundreds of years, like, mm-hmm. what did the other continents think? Like, it's a very good it, question. It, it, I so like the. I'm sure I'll say like the players will will learn this, or the characters will learn this soon. But it's definitely a lot of like questions a lot of unknowns um there are different continents with different opinions about zevia um like from the outside like looking in there are different like folk tales about it also mm-hmm. because there are people like Kane, for example which you know we've talked about it in in media so we can talk about it here uh who is from another continent um right like there's definitely like where has that been talked about uh in uh when basta talked to you on top of the carriage okay. yeah so um, uh it's crazy how i could remember that <laughs> no that, that would make sense that would be the only time when i would have necessarily talked about it because exactly, yeah. yeah no one else would have known about it yeah um but like it's definitely like just a place clouded in mystery. I would say like without giving away too much, like Zevia is like a very magical place. Like that's why it has so many different biomes. It's like, just has like a lot of raw magical energy. If we wanted to get into like ley lines and stuff, like there's a lot going on there, which mm-hmm. makes it kind of important in the like whole scope of the world. Um, that like now that it is kind of, available uh other people might be very interested in coming there uh but the the biggest reason that like a lot of people haven't shown up for like the eight years since uh zevian died um is just because they didn't know because there was no like tell to say like oh Mm -hmm. it's it's open now we can go there um and so as people slowly been discovering that but there might be you know factions that did realize it earlier on like years ago that have already made their way to the continent you know food for thought for you there yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious like because kane came to zevia when he was he was young but i mean he was it's young like enough to teenager like, older age, to be right? yeah, teenager like now i'm curious is like what do i know about the outside world that like probably the rest of the party or most people that i encountered don't know uh, you probably know a few things I could tell you, um, but like, I feel like it'll be better if those come up in game. But like, I have like a whole, you know, the outside world exists in my in like what I have. Like, yeah. I, I know all the other continents. I know like there are huge events that have happened in history that the people of Zevia have no idea about. Um, because they've just been cut off from society for so long. Um, and, and like history has been essentially rewritten by the victors, right? Like that's like, Mm -hmm. uh, information has been suppressed. Books have been burned. Um, and like, that's like been one of my favorite things to tool with of like, 
you know, if say there was a Heroes Guild equivalent in on another continent, and they like came, the Bracers Guild, right? Exactly. How each, how each <laughs> the location sci- has their own Bracer Guild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Science of the Seventh Dawn come uh, from another place, and yeah, but uh, similarly to the Bracers Guild, there's definitely like I have an idea. There was when we we talk about inspirations and stuff. Like I will say how I built out the world was very inspired by uh, the trails series mm-hmm. um, and how I like, I just really like series to base off of. Yeah. Damn good series. Damn good series. And like the world building in that series is like some of the best in my opinion. Oh yeah. Just because you get to spend so much time learning about like each town has like a history and a culture that goes back more than just 10 days, you know, like it, it feels so rich uh, and that's that's part of what I wanted to build. Um, but if there was a Heroes Guild on another continent and they they tried to reach out to the Heroes Guild uh, of Zevia, like there would definitely be a lot of information shared. And like. There would probably be like a come together of being like, hey, like this is what we learned. This is this person like they're here to tell us that, like what we've been mm-hmm. missing out on for years. Wow. I would I would honestly love to just get a write up of what Kane would know about the outside world, just to like, because like I'm trying to hide that I am from the outside. Mm-hmm. So it, just like as a character thing, it's like, what do I know that like, do I risk sharing? Do I not risk sharing? Do I kind of just pretend to be shocked? Especially as like a history buff, um, and and you know the, the what I've been using to like justify it is like Kane. You've always said is like from a small town, um, mm-hmm. and like when he got out there, you know he kind of ended up in Zevia. Like that's yeah. that's the place that he got to first, and so that's where he's just kind of been f- since. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wouldn't know like everything, but you know oh, for sure he would have been taught lessons. Like he would know some aspects of history, like the big big history that i've been kind of keeping secret um you would at least know some parts of it um but like there is definitely like there's a a very like i'd say like a global landmark that almost everyone in the world would be familiar with except for the people from zevia cool yeah that's very cool yeah so with i'm trying to think how many episodes we've We've done now seven. We've done eight. Seven eight. are out. Seven are out. What's been the biggest surprise for you as a dungeon master that we have kind of thrown you for a loop for? Oh. I'm getting good at figuring you guys out, I will say. And I, mm-hmm. I you know, knock on wood. Lord knows I say that. And as soon as the next episode happens, it's just pure <laughs> chaos. Um, I, I was really surprised when uh you and Adivan didn't join mostly because like obviously me as a dungeon master i just want you to do it just so that way we can kind of keep the story going but mm-hmm. also like i was excited about having that wrinkle in things um and it helped me like readjust some things and it mm-hmm. it reevaluated some character relationships for me um and Adivan definitely has done a lot of stuff that has surprised me, not in a bad way, but like has helped me stay on my toes and challenged me to like not just do the easiest thing. Uh, When like the the main dungeon 
happened. I like was really careful of like, I don't want this whole getting marked thing to just happen because I want it to happen. I mm-hmm. need, it needs to be like a choice, um, whether it's like accidental or not. Like it had to have been like a choice uh, and it worked out. Um, so that was that was exciting. Um, like if you hadn't has shot the banishing arrow at the staff that was causing this barrier or whatever, things would have gone down differently in that mm-hmm. uh, that situation. And there is potential that none of you would have gotten marked. I would have been upset and probably would have tried to figure out a way to do that in the future because that's like where I wanted to take the take you yeah. guys. Um, but I would have been okay with letting that pass there because then. Uh, you know, Soth would have been like, hey, this is what this artifact is. This is what it does. But you wouldn't have gotten as much information about it. Um, and then you wouldn't have known who Bast was uh, for a lot longer, which would have been also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there have been a few things um, I like. I feel bad because I don't want it to feel too on rails. But I think now that where we're at now, I feel like you guys are are doing pretty good freedom wise. Yeah. So not too much, not too many things. Spanish arrows aside, not too many <laughs> things. It's just, you know, like if, if you just met a person and then they sent you to another dimension, I would say that's maybe rude, but you know, Kane does what Kane does. The, the only one I would, I could potentially see as rude was, um, when Scott's character joined the thief. <laughs> Sure. At that point, it was just kind of my shtick and I had to do it. But in my defense with the initial when the other group joined up with us, we were both we were on edge. You were under we were going up. Yeah, it was it was dark and we just knew shit was going down. So, yeah, I will. I still stand by that. It, that wasn't done in a nefarious way. No, it wasn't done with mal- nefarious intent i would say it gave me the opportunity like when um uh god i can't remember her name the the elven girl uh Mm -hmm. i can't remember my own damn character's names Uh, it happens uh when she like uh wild shaped into a bird that like that was a way that you could get out of the trap the like the thing that was keeping you stuck to the floor and Mm -hmm. i was like okay like she would Alex do- was it Alex no, Ovan? that was that was one Ovan. of the uh, the other characters uh, um, I'll, Wendy no it wasn't no, that's Wendy a human Wendy I guess no. it's in this doc that I have up right yeah, now I have my doc open with my with my notes on it um, uh, oh yeah there's the side quests Anna that was another one of them there's only one left. Yeah, I don't know. I have Alex and Anna. Wow, we already erased her from history. Um, but like when she did that, you Celestine? know, Celestine, thank you. Uh, like that was I was like, OK, she would do this. Um, it was part of me is like, I don't want to necessarily like have Adam banished for a second here. because It could be important what happens. Um, but her doing that, I was like, okay, she a she would do this, and b this could give the party a hint that there's a way to get out of the the trap. Mm-hmm. And she didn't necessarily know it would work either, uh, so she was just kind of winging it, literally. Um, 
So it, it worked out. I think it, I thought it was interesting. And Tony was like, you didn't have to do it. He like, he messaged me after it's like, you didn't have to do it. I would have been fine being being just like, I know that I'm just, I was playing the character. Celestine would have jumped in front of an arrow because like, she knows she would have been fine, but she wouldn't know what happened to Adam. And she was in charge of looking after you. So mm-hmm. um, that, that was kind of my reasoning there. But uh, yeah, I'd say I like the chaos. I like it's very I feel like it's very evident during the sessions, which I appreciate that I'm having a fucking great time. A hundred percent of the time. time. Like I am like when you guys go off the rails, I am like so stoked. I sometimes have to scramble, but I'm like, all right, I can figure this out. Let's just see what happens. (laughs) That's that's on the players to create the chaos and throw the DM for the loop. So Mm -hmm. that's just the, the natural circle of tabletop um rpgs yeah so i'm curious now as a dm is there anything you want to know about kane uh no i don't think i think we've had like a lot of really good conversations about kane um, and i know i still owe you the that write-up the, yeah the backstory stuff yeah i have some of it in the back of my head but again uh, i'm i blank on some characters names and stuff um so it'd be good to have it like canonized written down um no i like i like kane a lot i like the uh the kind of rugged adventurer vibe that he has i think it he like has some of those kind of like things you would want in a standard adventuring party and then he's surrounded by absolute clowns (laughs) like just everyone is so weird and i just think it's so funny uh, like Cortese's like ear thing that mm-hmm. n- again no one has asked her about <laughs> well I guess somebody asked her about it at one point but she didn't give like a full answer uh, and then like Lucius like absolutely overconfident in everything that he does and Adivan's like fully blase like I'm just here for the ride like what's going mm-hmm. on uh, and Cosby like this the tall silent emo one is yeah I think it's great I just I think it's very it's a very good dynamic. Yeah, it's it's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any other questions about like inspirations for things or anything? Yeah, Mr. Strange, the the <laughs> snail merchant, the other dimensional snail merchant. What's up with that? I that I will say Mr. Strange, the the one inspiration for the most part, like whole cloth, like I knew I just wanted an absolutely outrageous shopkeeper mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to have fun <laughs> and it was mm-hmm. so fun. Um, and I wanted him to be disgusting, but also ripped. Uh, <laughs> the one inspiration is the shopkeeper from the video game Pyre. Um, mm-hmm. If you remember, is like also like a snail that drives around a cart um and he has like a really funny chill voice um so i just like the idea of a snail being a merchant and uh be driving a cart around the whole interdimensional thing of it was like okay this is like a fun way to tie it into uh like bast and and kind of his whole deal and then like i gave the d20s out um, to the characters so that essentially mm-hmm. you can get like a tailored guaranteed magical item for everyone that you find. And there's more out there in the world to find, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Lucius has one as well that he has not spent yet. 
um, so that way he can kind of get his first item. Um, and yeah, I just wanted something really outrageous. There's like, I wrote like a whole backstory for him too, that I think is so fucking funny. And so <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like maybe ask him about him, ask about him ne- next time you see him just see if he'll tell you some stories. Yeah. He's a great character in my, in my humble opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very I'm very anxious to see where the the next uh, session takes us with kind of the people that appear to kind of be mind controlled or dumbed down a bit. And the uh, Liliana, um, the stoic, angry bodyguard and and then everything. I'm I'm anxious to see where it all goes. And. Um, yeah, it's how we'll figure it out or fuck it up you know yeah who knows what'll happen i i have concerns uh but like <laughs> i i wanted to like i wanted to give you all a challenge i feel like you've stumbled into it and i uh you know hopefully things go well we'll see how it goes i it just pains me how distrusting well not maybe distrusting but just how shunned i guess bath boss uh bast is like kane doesn't like that like sure Bass hasn't done anything to like fuck with him and the information kind of like his whole i i want to dive i'm very anxious to dive more into like on the next what the new moon when it like he mm-hmm. becomes much more tangible i think it was yeah like talking to him more and i know like the previous heroes and everyone else is very Oh, we can't say his name, but it's like Kane's like he's a potential source of information and he really hasn't done anything bad to us. Yeah. So like in kind of the uh, discrepancies of what like common history is or what quote unquote the common folk know about history and the things he is let slip specifically like Zevian's age and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot there in the fact that he doesn't remember like when like how long he's been like in that world and everything like there's that's like my main thing like i want to get to the bottom of him and what his story is that's the that's my biggest kind of the hook. intrigue yeah and finding like kane promised oath to find the names of the magistrates that escaped after the the fall mm-hmm. um and kind of the fall of the emperor yeah uh, man i love best i like the the thing is like how everyone reacted to him and how everyone thinks of him for the most part has like shaped that character in a really interesting way for me because mm-hmm. I I thought people would not like him like I I went into that pretty pretty sure that that would be a possibility I I thought it would be weird or it would be it would a lot less likely that people would like take to him and and mm-hmm. be really friendly to him. Um, but, but the, the amount of hate that he gets is, is definitely a little bit more than I thought, but also very understandable. And especially like knowing all the character stories and kind of how they feel about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, gods or deities or whatever, um, that I, I, I'm not surprised how the, how they reacted to Bass, but he's that's like, you know, the character that I have thought about the most for sure. Mm-hmm. And I 
definitely have a soft spot for. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I you know he's he's not. I wouldn't say he's an open book. That's for sure. But yeah, uh, there's plenty of. And I think that aspect is what intrigues Kane so much because Kane is very much about getting to the bottom of mysteries, finding yes. like ruins and history and all these various things. So I think the fact that he isn't a open book and that he is mysterious and I feel like Kane had. Kane quickly kind of realized uh, Bast's. Yeah, Kane thinks that Bast like relies a lot on that, almost of a shock and awe kind of thing to make people weary of him and whatnot. But Kane's like, you just yeah, okay, you just randomly appear. That's, I mean, that's cool a couple of times, but then you can kind of expect it almost, mm-hmm. um, or it it removes a lot of that mystique and um i think more than anything kane wants to really become friends and i think a good part of that is uh, i think kane's weariness or leeriness of best dropped away a good extent when he was in kind of the 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 other plane, the mysterious realm where Bass kind of lives, but the flower from his childhood was there. And that when he came back, he still had it. And mm-hmm. it's like, that is like mysterious to Kane, but at the same time, it's like almost a unspoken s- safety or just kind of a, I'm not horrible. Sure. And who who knows? Maybe it can be a false sense of security or something. But I think Kane, I I detect a lot of pain and loneliness in Bast. Sure. Um, and perhaps that comes from Kane having been on his own for a while and it kind of experienced loss and to hear like the previous heroes be like shush people around and don't talk about him and kind of revere him with like disdain and whatnot i feel i not a sense of camaraderie but of empathy empathy yeah Yeah. and maybe bass just would really like it if someone genuinely called out and just wanted to see how he's he's going kind of thing. Sure. And I think that's why Kane has very little issue openly speaking his name. That's, that's how I feel. That's how I approach it. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I'm anxious to hear more about yes. Going forward. There's definitely a story there, you know, of, of that relationship. What happens, you know, if you like, Mm -hmm. like you can imagine, like what eventually brought these 12 kind of disparate people together and then Mm -hmm. them obviously rising up together. And if there was a force like that behind them, like that would give them an advantage for sure. And then uh, some kind of falling out must've happened. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a story there and I know we'll get to it eventually. I'm very excited for whenever we do. I think it's a I'm curious and mm-hmm. I don't know if you can tell if you'll tell me one way or the other, but could I pull like an Aladdin and use like all my special powers to like wish Bass to be free? 
Uh, no, you couldn't. I can tell you that. Uh, you there are things that you could do with your your special power, um, but you know we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. That's like also like a whole thing that you know I'm still figuring out how exactly I want it to go the the mark mechanic. But mm-hmm. you know we're you're still learning about it at this point. We're still in like the learning phase, so I'm okay kind of taking things slow. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Well, lots of really interesting things, and I can't wait to dive more. But one of my favorite parts of these tabletop focused episodes, Alex, I I don't know. Have you listened to any of the tabletop episodes, Alex? I can't say that I have, unfortunately. Okay, that that that's good because I want because this will make it even more fun. So the end of the episode, the last segment is. Where we get classy or racy. So, Alex, do you want to get classy or a little racy? God, this is such a terrifying question. I, in my, you know, heart of hearts, I like to keep it classy, but I'll get a little racy for you. Okay. Well, what we're going to do now, because you want to get a little racy, is we are going to come up on the fly with a brand new race Mm. that people can play. Okay. Um, so Alex, what kind of race or creature are are you feeling like uh, putting together today? I like have ideas is the thing. Like I have things in uh, like locked and loaded. So, um, I, is it, do you want to collaborate on this or do you, can I just like tell you this? Yeah. We if you, if you have these built, feel free to share them. I share one. One, I, I had an idea that I I just love this um, kind of very weird inspiration, kind of inspired by like the Navi from Avatar, but different um, of mm-hmm. like kind of like really long, tall, lanky and skinny proto like elf, like with with like a, a light pale blue skin, um, like very long heads. And they're very like skeleton and like, you know, the ribs and everything exposed, very kind of squishy. And they have a symbiotic relationship with a type of bug that is mm-hmm. like a beetle. Um, and the beetle like uh, like clamps up around their their waist and its shell extends out like armor across their body. Um, and so they go from like their kind of unarmored way of like this tall skinny kind of agile nimble creature um i'm thinking like maybe eight to nine feet tall to like this beetle like symbiotically wrapping itself around their chest and spreading Mm -hmm. itself around them like armor uh and that makes them a slower but tankier and stronger and then the beetle like comes off and it's like a little critter that they have to like that they kind of like bond with from early on. Uh, and so they have like a relationship with their beetle. The beetles look different. So their armor when they're in their armored state, like tend to look different. Um, and the, the, it's all about like the, the kind of relationship kind of like a beast master style. Like you got to take care of your beetle. You got to be buddies with it. You got to stand good graces. It's going to protect you there during combat and stuff. Um, and okay. if, if say somebody took your beetle away from you and it can fight relatively fine on its own, 
but if they took it away from you, then you'd be like really vulnerable. And so you have to kind of play into this kind of symbiosis. So what's the name of this race? <sighs> Off the top of my head, I would just call yeah. it like an Avalion. A-V-A-N. A-V-A-L-I-O-N. Avalion. Okay. What's their, their age range? Definitely like old. They could probably be like 600 years old on the high okay. end. Because they're like proto-elves in my head. like Proto-bug elves? Proto-bug elves. Nice. And they're, they like bond with their beetle for life. So they'll live as long as their beetle does. Okay. Um, medium sized creature? Yes, I guess. Medium just, sized. Just creature. under large. Just under large. Okay. Uh, speed 30 feet? Do they have a fly speed because of their like the bug aspect? No, the bugs, the beetles can't fly, but I'd say unarmored, they can move 50 feet. And then armored, they can move 25 feet. Okay. Is this what Beetleborgs is? I've never watched. Yeah, I, I was saying this sounds a lot like Beetleborgs, but I wasn't going to bring it up. I've never watched Beetleborgs and I'm like realizing like, is this what Beetleborgs is? Well, there's there's not like a beetle they become friends with, but they're like henshin device. Their change device is in the shape of a beetle. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a beetle they do. But then they yeah, I'm get, definitely getting like bug transformers or bug power rangers. Sure, sure. I think that's fair. I I swear to God, I've never watched Beetleborgs to people listening. I'm not stealing from Beetleborgs. I just I really like the idea mm-hmm. of like a creature that's kind of like generally seen as gross, um, but being like kind of cute and like really nice and like being your buddy. I just think that's great. This also sounds a lot like the uh, creatures in the um, Knights Radiant series by uh, Brandon Sanderson. Oh, yeah, I definitely I, I read uh, one of those things. I remember they, they fight like giant beetle monsters or whatever. Yeah. And there's like beetle people or like things oh. that like bug people that are like really strong and everything. But they get their forms by not um like bugs, but like fey creatures or like fey like fairy spirits and stuff that they bond with. Got it. Okay. And that changes their form. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay, very cool. Um, what are some of their racial traits? You mentioned the the bonding with the their beetle beetle bro. Um, <laughs> what does so does that have any impact else or uh, what do you want to call that bonding beetle bonded? Um, yeah, I would say like bond mates or something like that. Like um, I could probably think of some fancy RPG term for it. I just can't think of anything right now. I'd say like the cost of that is if they die, their beetle dies. If their beetle dies, they die. Okay. Even if they're separated. It's like a magical link, you know, if you are your bonded beetle dies, both die. Got it. And like, you can't use somebody else's beetle. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. a it's like it wraps around your body. It's built. It's like almost magically tied to you, you know. Or it is. It's not almost. (laughs) Okay. cool, cool. Um, What are some other racial traits of this Ebalian race? Um, I'd say they're low, you know, low endurance, like they can't take a lot of hit, but they're very nimble. 
right? They can jump really high. Um, well, you said that only when they're unarmored. Yes. But they slow down considerably when they are armored. Yeah, just like I'm just talking about the 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 creature themselves, like without the beetle. Okay. Um. And yeah, I th- I think they definitely have like almost a druidic, uh, you know, communication ability with nature and life and everything like. They, this bond comes from an evolution together, right? Like they mm-hmm. they have an intimate relationship with nature. So, uh, nature touched. That sounds kind of fantasy esque. Yeah. Um, what would their nature touched trait allow them to do? Would it grant them like plant speak or speak with plants or something once per day or? Speak with plants for sure. I think like any um like bug or like bug like enemy or plant based enemy would be like non hostile to them. Like just from the very pheromones that they give off. Like Okay. They just like they can pass through dangerous natural life without endangering themselves. Like that's okay. how connected they are with nature. Peaceful scent uh, allows you to traverse difficult and dangerous natural ter- natural forest terrain. Uh, yeah, terrain, forest, forest or jungle, probably forest slash jungle terrain without penalty. Mm-hmm. I like it. So we got some we got some good racial traits now. Um, what languages do they speak? Probably speak like Elven and then like an old version of Elven that is like they're unique to their race. OK. Um. It's like in my head, these guys were like elves evolved and they split at some point and then like these druidish ish elves kind of like grew in nature and that's kind of like where uh the avatar inspiration kind of comes from of like how they're all connected to nature and the oh, okay. pandora is like they're connected to it you know not just with the weird tentacle head thing but just like they're <laughs> they're it's almost like they're born from nature like yeah. they, they'd probably be born from like maybe they're born with it yeah, maybe it's Maybelline. It's Maybelline. <laughs> they, they're probably born from like cabbage shaped like eggs in trees so and they're stuff. Cabbage Patch Beetleborgs. Oh my God, you're right. No, not cabbage <laughs> anymore. Cabbage, cabbage Patch Beetleborgs. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Listen, it's a way cooler idea in my head. <laughs> I think this is a cool idea. All right. It sounds really neat. If, if at some point this idea is a real thing that it happens in the D&D game that we were playing, then just don't be surprised. Yeah. And I'm going to trademark Cabbage Patch Beetleborgs. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine how cute their little like plushies would be, though, man. Yeah, so it's, cool. they're like transformers, so you can like attach the beetle onto them, and they look different. Yeah, like bionicle. Hell yeah, sounds good. So we have created, well, Alex created the Avalian, this proto ancient elfish race that evolved to f- and can live upwards of six hundred years. They are a medium sized creature that can move unarmored, 
uh, 50 feet. They're rather nimble. But once they bond with their beetle, uh, they can only their movement reduce, is reduced to 25 feet. Their racial traits include bond mates, which if they themselves or their bonded beetle dies, they both die and they are only able to bond to a single beetle. Uh, they are nature touch, which allows the use of speak with plants once per day. Uh, they have the peaceful scent using their pheromones that allows them to traverse difficult and dangerous natural forests and jungle terrain without penalty. And they speak both Elvish and an ancient form of Elvish. And they come from the Cabbage Patch. Apparently. Apparently Cabbage Patch. Allegedly. <laughs> they, the, they're uh, where the drow were forced underground were elves that were forced underground. These were elves that were forced to tend to a cabbage patch for they were, centuries. They were forced into the cabbage patch. Forced into the cabbage patch to tend it for centuries. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds like a very heroic and exciting backstory for a race, but that is going to do it for another episode here at RPG University. Alex, thanks so much for uh, coming on and uh, Talking about IPD and D and everything with me. It was good to talk to you again and hang out. It's my pleasure. You know that. I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, buddy. For all I know. y'all. It's going to be awesome. And we get to do it soon in person for mm-hmm. all of you listeners. If you're going to PAX West, we will be at PAX West for a few days. I'll be there the entire time. And Alex and a couple of the other IP folks will be there a few days. It shall be a great time. Yep. And then... Uh, if you want, I'm also hosting a panel. It is on Friday at 1230. It's the six degrees of Tetsuya Nomura, where myself and my wonderful panelists <laughs> will be sitting down to try and connect the audience's suggestions back to Tetsuya Nomura within six steps. It's basically six degrees of Kevin Bacon's Kevin Bacon, just nerdier. So check oh, that out. I'm so excited for that panel. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. It's going to be very good. But uh, where can people find you online, Alex? What do you got cooking? Go ahead and uh, plug away, my friend. Uh, Alfighter27, just every which way you can follow me. The Twitters, the whatevers, the Instagrams. Um, uh, Working on Destiny stuff. If you're a fan of Destiny, we'll have a lot of stuff for the new season. We, Mike and I will probably be doing a live stream uh, like watch along because they're not not just unveiling the new season on Tuesday but the next expansion um, and and talking about Lightfall which is coming out next year um, so we'll be hopefully watching along with that if not we'll have like a video together kind of talking about everything that's happened since then Wednesday I guess this this will be after Wednesday but if you missed it we'll have played some of the, the new season um, we got a couple of viewpoints coming up one for Cursed to Golf um, and one for Rumbleverse, which I'm very curious about. People seem to like Rumbleverse. Uh, which... I feel like it's going to be that like that dodgeball game that I can't remember. Yes. Where it's, it's like a lot of fun and people love it for like a f- month or two and then people forget it exists. Yes, because then Fortnite will put out a new season or whatever and it'll be over. Um, uh, Destiny skins coming to Fortnite apparently. It's wild. And Doom and Family Guy and... Ugh something else Ugh, i didn't hear about the family guy part that 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 bums me out uh and then yeah pax and then the next episode ip D is on september 12th i believe and uh then the month after that and so on and so Woo! forth go go listen to that i put a lot of work into it 
I I'm working on the video versions for that. So if you're like worried about missing something or, or you really want to see like the battle board when we're on it, um, hopefully that will be there soon. I'm, I'm like the battle Borg, the battle Bjorg, <laughs> uh, the battle board, uh, that will not that's not going to happen until probably October at the earliest, but I'm working on those and hopefully we'll get those done. So that's that's Ooh. what's cooking. Hell yeah. Good stuff, my friend. Good stuff. But thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or you can always share your own favorite RPGs and memories directly with me on Twitter at Professor RPG. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Come see us at PAX West. Class dismissed. Oh yeah, and listen to IPD&D, which is featured on irrationalpassions.com.